Before we made the move over here, a few, maybe even a couple of weeks before we got on an airplane, Jennifer was telling me about an interview that she heard with a Christian recording artist named Amy Grant. Has anybody ever heard of Amy Grant? Okay, yes, she's been around a long time. And Jennifer told me that she had heard this interview where Amy Grant was talking about how her grandfather, when she was a little girl, gave her these five tenants or five, I don't even know what we can call these, but it said, if you'll do these five things, you're going to live a meaningful life. Your life is going to be lived well. And with these five things, you you were saying, I think I had not told you what we were doing and you didn't remember that. So hopefully after today, after I tell you what we're doing, it'll be a little more memorable because we're going to use just our hand to help us to remember this. And so uh, with, with these five fingers, I think it's going to help us because as soon as Jennifer told me these five things, I said to her, I said, that's a sermon. That, and not only is that a sermon, but I, I want us to use that in the new year because as we look forward as Elgin Community Church, I want us to be a body of believers that we're about building up other people in the faith. I said it to the church and pastor's council the other day. I want us to be a body of believers who love another person to Jesus until that person's ready to love another person to Jesus. So we're, we're going to be about making disciples of Jesus Christ, which is what he tells us to do. And these five things, I think, is just a mindset that we can use to help us move toward that purpose. So before we get started, let's pray one more time, and then I want us to get into these five things. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, God, for your goodness, your mercy in our lives. It is so much more than we deserve, so much deeper than we can comprehend. Lord, we ask for your Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning through the things that are prepared, for the things that you've got prepared that I don't even know about. Lord, we ask that you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so using our hand, we're going to be able to see this. And Chim has got us a, uh, some... Nice little hand coming up on the Look at that. It looks like a real hand. I think it is. And so this, the way we can do this first one is just having the mindset of how can I help you? It's a simple question. How can I help you? Now, what does the Bible say about helping others? And we, and we can look into the scripture. In fact, I, I told Tim, I'm not even going to give you all the scriptures today because there's so many. And the Bible says a whole lot about helping others, and, and we can see that it's very important in the eyes of God. When we look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, the words say, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Continually helping. Because when we serve other people, If we're continually serving other people, it really is an expression, it can be an expression of our faith in God. So if we ever find ourselves getting weary, you know, the Bible says, don't get weary in your well-doing, but we can be energized. 
it, it doesn't really make sense sometimes, but we can actually be energized when we decide to help someone else. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So Jesus shows us that actually the ultimate selflessness is laying down his life to set us free. But we must always seek to imitate that selflessness of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. And we do that by serving others. It, it could even be simple things. I mean, just think about it. It could be as simple as holding a door open for somebody. You see somebody drop something, you pick it up for them. It could be as simple as sometimes just you know, a kind word. I have a friend who lives in India. You'll probably hear me talk about this young man quite, quite a lot because I, my heart is so full of love for him. Now, here's the thing. I've never actually met him in person. We've been on Zoom call after Zoom call. I know him through Project 200, which is a, a discipleship organization that I work with. And, but yet I feel like that I just, that I have. I feel like that we've been in the same room and that we, and I just can't wait. I can't wait till the day that I get to meet him. It may very well be in heaven. But Sonny Vinod, his name is actually Kumar and this last name that who knows? Who knows how you say it? But, uh, but we, he says to call him Pastor Sonny. And he actually, he actually calls me, he actually calls me his dad. I mean, I, I love this young man. And, and he does that because he didn't really have a father relationship growing up. It's, it's, a, it's quite a story. But what Pastor Sonny does, he lives in this little place in India. He and his wife, they're not people of means. They do have a roof over their head, they, they don't, but they're, they're not people that you would call financially wealthy. But what he does every month is that he makes a journey into some of the remote villages there in India. It may take him two to three hours to get to some of these places. He, they will drive a vehicle up to a point, and then they have to walk into the rest of the way because there are no roads for automobiles. And he takes with him a generator and a video projector because he goes and he shows each month a different tribe who has not heard about the gospel of Jesus, the Jesus film. Now, before he goes in that evening, he spends the entire Saturday each month teaching, I think it's now about 30 to 35 pastors and leaders, church leaders, who come from their villages to a, a hub where Pastor Sonny teaches them from the scriptures all day long. And then they trek off and they go show this video, this movie. He's been doing this for months, and because of this now, some of the people that he has trained are actually pastoring these newly planted churches in, in these remote regions. <laughs> How can I help you? That's what Pastor Sonny's saying. Every time that he goes into one of these places, he is saying, 
How can I help you? And something happened recently that I absolutely love. Now, it doesn't sound like a good thing at first. Because Pastor Sonny called me, and he, oh, I'd never heard him this way. And he was, he was broken. He was in tears. And while he was in one of these places ministering, the, pers- the, the company that he had rented a vehicle from, the woman who owns that, she made false accusations against him and sent somebody to go and pick up the vehicle. And so he, he was broken. And he, he was saying, how can this... Now, just a few days before, he had taught a lesson on a prayer call that we're on. It's a daily prayer call I'm on with some folks. And he had taught a lesson about Paul when he was shipwrecked and, and you know, putting the, the wood on the fire and the snake comes out and bites him and he shook it off. And so as he's in tears telling me how I, I just can't understand why this is happening, I reminded him, I said, Pastor Sonny, I want you to remember just a few days ago you were talking about how that serpent reached out and bit Paul. And what did Paul do? He shook it off. I said, young man, I need you to shake it off right now. I said, I believe, I just believe that God's going to bring something good out of this. A few days later, his name was cleared, but he still needed a vehicle. And he wasn't going to rent from this company anymore. So I told some of the men who are in this discipleship project, and essentially one of the men said, how can I help him? And that man, as of last week, said, my wife and I are buying a vehicle for this man so he can get to these remote places. So now he's not even going to have to rent it anymore. How can I help you? Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. You know, sometimes we need maybe a little incentive to remember to be generous knowing that God will reward our compassion and our kindness toward the less fortunate can be just that. Galatians 6.2 Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Excuse me. See, I think that we were never meant to do life alone. And God tells us right here to carry each other's burdens. Next time that we see somebody struggling under the weight of their burden. Maybe we can offer our time, our resources, or our strength. Now, I have had so many times where somebody has come to my aid to help me do something. Sometimes as simple as, it's just too much for me to carry physically. And you get one other person on there, and suddenly that thing that was just almost impossible became so doable. Now, Probably several people in here have seen the movie Lord of the Rings. Maybe. Anybody seen that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe nobody. It looks like, okay, okay, nobody said it. All right, so that's all right. All right, we've got some. But I, I love, my, my favorite character in Lord of the Rings is Sam Wise. Sam Wise. Love that guy. Because he, he was not the one that was commissioned with the job of carrying the ring. But if it had not been for Sam Wise... Frodo wouldn't have lived. He wouldn't have survived. And so we get to that part where they're on their way to Mount Doom, where Frodo needs to get rid of this ring. He needs to destroy it. And that line, that's my favorite line out of all three movies, 
where he says, and I'll, I don't even all of a quote it right, but, you know, I can't carry you. Nope, I got it wrong, didn't I? <laughs> I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. See, I knew something was wrong there. I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And that was what Frodo needed. He didn't need him to carry that. He, he actually was in such a place that he needed Sam to carry himself. Wow. There are times, folks, where we're going to have people in our lives that maybe their burden is just so heavy, so big, and it's gotten them to the place where they can't even see how to go forward. And there are going to be some times that we're just going to need to go and pick them up and carry them. Jennifer, recently, I think in one of our prayer meetings, maybe on one of our Zoom services, I don't know, know, she mentioned the, the poem, the footprints in the sand, you know, where we look back and there's just those two, two footprints. We're like, you know, where were you, Jesus, during that time? And then, he's, of course, that's the time he was carrying us. And then we remember the story in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, where the, the paralyzed man, he, he needed to be healed. But there's no way that he could get to Jesus. And so what happened? He had four friends who took him to Jesus. And if you've ever tried to carry somebody, even if you've got somebody else helping you, if that person is just totally unable to help you, if it's just that dead weight that we would say, it's not easy to carry a person. And especially you get them on this stretcher and you're having to get through crowds of people, maybe going up some stairs to the top of a house and then having to pull back a roof to lower them down. So that effort from those friends resulted in that man's ability to be healed. So my question is for you, what will be the results of your efforts and my efforts to help carry the burdens for somebody else this year? So the five fingers, pretty easy. How can I help you? Now we're going to go to the four. Anybody think you know it yet? Yeah, not you, because you've seen it. Okay. All right. This next one I think is so important. And it's simply this. I'm proud of you. I want to listen to the words of Paul. First from Ephesians chapter 1. And he says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks to you for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, can you imagine, as, because as we read about Paul in the scriptures, what a man of God he was, from where he came from to where he ended up. Can you imagine Paul writing that about you? I'm so proud of you. Listen to what he says 
to the church in Philippi. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And he goes on and on. In fact, this, this is one of those places in the scripture where it is good for us just to pray these words. Because he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you since I have known you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. This is my prayer. And we can pray this. I pray this over you right even now. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. How many of you have longed to hear those words? I'm proud of you. See, that's not something growing up that I heard from my dad. And I will tell you, even at this age, I hate to admit it, I still long to hear it. I remember as a teenager that every now and then somebody would come up and say, your dad's so proud of you about I'm like, What? My dad's proud of me? And if I showed you the pictures of me as a teenager, you might get a little bit more of a clue uh, on why. I mean, and I was a scrawny little kid. I was clumsy, uh, just not really great to look at. Not that this is much better, but, uh, <laughs> but I love it because my, my daughters uh, and my other kids too, they've looked at pictures before of when we got married and they're like, mom, why did you marry him? You know, so, uh, <laughs> so this might not be great, but I promise you it's better than what it used to be. Amen. <laughs> So at his baptism, Jesus himself hears these empowering words from his father. This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hearing these words from his father must have given Jennifer, Jennifer, given Jesus, you know, there's sometimes I get them mixed up. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Must have given Jesus strength as he was about to go into that 40 days. In the wilderness, with no food, no water, supernaturally. And again, in Matthew chapter 17, we hear God say these words as Jesus is transfigured before the eyes of his disciples. How this must have given him renewed strength as he went toward the cross. Because in essence, what God was saying to his son Jesus I'm proud of you. So, how can I help you? I'm proud of you. So now we're going to go to three. Three fingers. And mine looks different there because I can't hold up those three fingers without doing this. So I'm just going to do this. Anybody think you know what these three ones are? I think somebody probably has this one. I 
love you. John 4, 16 through 18. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Some of you need to hear that again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. John 4, 16 through 18 tells us that God is love. Not just, love isn't just something God does or shows. God is love. And that perfect love drives out fear. There's so many things that we're afraid of, so many things that I'm afraid of, that, you know, maybe fear of a failure, fear of letting people down, (laughs) fear of messing up. But God's perfect love drives out all fear. 1 John 4, 9 through 12 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, And his love is made complete in us. So God doesn't just show love. He doesn't just give love. God is love. The quality is about God that sets his love apart. Extravagance, healthy boundaries, patience, kindness, slow to anger, unfailing, freely given. Those aren't natural to our sinful hearts. But the more that we experience God's love, the more that it becomes a part of us, the more we're able to give it to other people. Matthew 5, 43 through 48 says, You've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, a lot of us maybe wish that it stopped right there. Like that. But Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. Sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that. It's so easy well, actually, sometimes it's even kind of hard to love the people that we're closest to, right? You know, some, sometimes, <laughs> you know, uh, I mentioned it to somebody the other day. I call them sandpaper people. God allows those sandpaper people in our lives because sometimes we've got some rough edges that really need to be smoothed out. And I believe that when we get to the point where we can love those people, that we really are expressing the love of God. 
And I love what 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Folks, today, I really want you to consider, am I loving well? Is there somebody that I've just kind of pushed to the side? And God, if there is, if there is that person that I've pushed to the side that I have deemed as unlovable, God, reveal it to my heart so that today I can reach out and show the love of Jesus Christ. So of the five, we have three now. How can I help you? I'm proud of you. I love you. Now we're down to two. Just two words. And each time I'm giving you an opportunity in case somebody just really wants to jump in there. So the two words are thank you. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I want us to look at that verse for just a moment. Understand that that one little word makes all the difference. He does not say, give thanks for all circumstances. There's a big difference. Give thanks in all circumstances. So that we find ourselves waiting five hours because a car is broken down. Are we able to give thanks in that circumstance? There's a young man who a few weeks ago, he and his wife were going on some, a trip somewhere and he posted on Facebook uh, how they were delayed because their flight got canceled and it meant that they were going to be lots of hours in the airport. And he's, on the video, as he did, and it was a video that he did, he was smiling in his voice. I could hear that he was dealing with this well. And so immediately I responded and I'm like, Corey, man, I am so proud of you. There's a, I, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for having that, such an awesome attitude because I believe that you're going to be able to affect people around you in that airport. Because there are going to be a lot of people that are frustrated, a lot of people who maybe are angry because their flight got canceled. But you, young man, you're having a great attitude about it, and I hope it rubs off on the people around you. Give thanks in all circumstances. We look back now on the things that have happened in our lives over the last two years. While we were going through some of those things, I'm like, what is up with this guy? We just didn't understand it. Because we were sure that we were listening to God's voice as we were doing some of these things that we were doing, but yet the, the outcome didn't seem like God was in it. So am I going to be a, a complainer when things don't go my way, or am I going to do what we're told to do here, give thanks in all circumstances? And I certainly want it to be that. Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Colossians 3.17 then says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now those are ways that we can say thank you to God, but I think that a lot of times that we underestimate the value of saying thank you to another person. 
Proverbs 16.24 says, Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. So we look back in Scripture and we see that Jesus had the encounter with the ten lepers. Ten were healed. How many came back to give thanks? One. That, that we see in that account right there. And which one do we remember in the Scripture? Really, that we focus on that one. Because that's where the Scripture focuses. That not only did that they all received healing, but one came back to praise God and to give, give thanks. So don't ever, don't ever take someone's kindness for granted. I, want, I really want to challenge us with this year, folks. Please don't ever take someone's kindness for granted because we all have the same amount of time in a day. Now, I understand that for some people in the room, you may have more commitments attached to your time but if somebody takes time to give you a call, to send you a text, to give you a visit, to, to bring you a gift, to come and actually drop what they were doing to help you with something else, acknowledge that. And don't just expect it. Oh, yeah, well, that's good that they did that. They needed something to do with their time today. No! How... how Easy is it just to say, thank you. You know, as I watched Mr. John and Mr. Chima yesterday as they're, uh, with Jennifer's oversight, um, putting this banner up on the wall outside yesterday. You know, people will look at that banner and, and say, oh, that's, that's a cool banner. Maybe not even thinking about the fact that somebody had to come drill the holes, put the sign up, and so, thank you. Thank you. And of course, thank you. I mean, how difficult is that? Those words, you know, we need to give thanks to God, but because he wants us to be Christ to other people, let's make sure that people understand that we are grateful. So we've got, how can I help you? I'm proud of you. I love you. Thank you. And now we're down to the last one. Anybody want to venture a guess on the last one? Amy Grant says that as her grandfather got down to this last one, that she, she thought, okay, well, I'll, it must be like God or Jesus or prayer. But the word we're going to stick with today is the one that her grandfather said. And I think it's an important one for us this year. Not because we're going to focus on us, but because we're going to use our efforts to focus on others. And that word is we. We. W-E, not the one W-E-E is like the little, but us. So this year it might be tempting. It might be tempting for any of us to want to use, to, to do this faith journey alone. And I'm going to ask you, don't try to do this faith journey alone. Because the scripture even tells us the benefit of walking this faith journey with other believers. 
1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that all of you agree, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. We know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I believe one of the tactics he likes to employ is creating disunity in a body of believers. Because when a group of believers are divided and our vision and our goals, it's quite likely that following that will be some disharmony, maybe even chaos. And the enemy, he looks for ways to derail us. We know he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's sneaky in some of his tactics. And he wants to cause divisions. He wants somebody in here to get their feelings hurt by somebody else. And I, and I ask you the first day that I came here as we are coming into a different culture. You know, if, if I say something or if I have an expression that, that means something else to you, <laughs> then I'm asking you to, to not just take that as a, as a root of bitterness, but to please let me know so that it can be corrected. Now, if I keep on doing it, then we got issues. But, you know, let's have grace for each other. So many times, uh, and I loved it. I was telling my oldest son this on the phone yesterday. My family, we were watching some movie. I can't remember what it was, but there was this miscommunication in the movie. And one of my daughters, I can't remember even which one that was, said, um, why didn't she just tell him? Which was a very good question. And of course, I said, well, honey, a lot of times that's just not how it works because women just want men to know. They just want men to know, so therefore they don't tell, and then you got friction, and then you got a movie. But that's okay. Instead of allowing the little roots of bitterness to come in, instead of, well, I think that's what, I think that's what she meant, and I don't like that. Let's clear it up, and let's work together. Romans 12, 4 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members don't all have the same function. And that's a beautiful part about the body of Christ. Because in this room, there are some people here that you are very comfortable being up in front of people, being the leader, doing things that other people see. But there are so many people also that you don't really like to be recognized in front of a lot of folks, but you actually are the one who likes to do all the behind-the-scenes items, the things that really make the, the train get moving. There are some people who like this, like the big picture. There are some people who like to see just the little particulars. There are some people who enjoy so much getting in a big group of people, and there are some people who would rather just be one-on-one with somebody else. Some people who like to get together like this. Some people who feel much better on the other side of the computer screen. We all are part of the same body. Next to the last scripture, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Paul again saying, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience Bearing with one another in love, 
eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And the last scripture I want to present to you today that goes right along with that last one, we, Romans 12, 18. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But that person hurt my feelings. We got feelings. I've been told many times that I wear mine right here. But that's okay. Because as much as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. Folks, we don't have to be best buddies with everybody in the world. Everybody that comes in this building, we don't have to do that. But as much as it depends on you and as much as it depends on me, this year, let's live at peace with everyone. And let's see how the Spirit of God living through us, the love of God pouring out of us, will affect those people around us. So these five, these five mindsets that I would like for us to have this year, how can I help you? I'm proud of you. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. And how are we going to do all this? We are going to do all this. We're going to end with a video that, that Chema has ready to go. We're, uh, the, the song is, is too long for what we're going to do this morning. So we're going, to, we're going to get in this video about two minutes and 30 seconds into it. But here's what I want you to do while this video plays. I want you to consider the things that we just heard. How can I help you? I'm proud of you. I love you. Thank you. We. And as you see the different scenarios on here, I want you to ask God, who is it today that needs to hear one of those from me? Who is it today that needs to hear one of these things from me? And maybe from some of the faces you see on this screen, Maybe it's going to prompt you, even when it gets to the very end with a very weak presentation of Jesus, I think. But that's okay. Uh, it's all right. He's only on there for a few seconds. Uh, but, and if this guy is related to one of you, I'm so sorry. I, I, I shouldn't have said that out loud. Okay, so uh, let's take a look at this video and ask God to speak to your heart, and then I'll come back and close us out. Let's do it one more time. Come on, open your mouth and say, I need you. I need you. Let me hear you. You need me. You need me. For we're all. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Stand with me. Agree with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is His will.
Elgin Community Church, I hope you're willing to go with me this year as we go with this mindset that we look for each other, ways to help each other. How can I help you? That we look for those opportunities where we can say, hey, I'm proud of you. Definitely, we find the opportunities to say, I love you. 
After that song, I mean, with those few lyrics, you can definitely get that in your head. And then find the opportunities to say thank you and understand that we're not going to do this faith journey alone, but we're going to do it together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we don't have to do this life alone. Of course, first of all, God, we have you, that friend that sticks closer than a brother. We thank you that we have access to the throne of God through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have the peace and the empowerment from Holy Spirit to give us everything that we need to do the jobs that you give us to do. And Lord, today I thank you that we have other believers. You tell us, God, to to keep on getting together with other believers. Because there's power in that, especially when we agree in prayer. We put our faith together, God. There's power there. And so we do that this morning. God, we lift up to you all the needs that are represented in this house this morning. Needs of healing, needs of provision. So many needs. God, some people in here just simply need to hear a word from you. And so God, I ask that today as we focus on humility, as we come humbly before you, that God, that you will meet with us. (laughs) And in your very loving, gentle way, speak to our hearts. God, we present ourselves to you at the beginning of this year, and we say, God, use us for your glory, for your honor. We thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.